I was tired of Stanford. We've been getting together too long. Like a worn out recording of a Jeff Jarrett song. So while Vince lay there sleeping, I read the Observer in bed. And in the personal columns, there was a bullet I read. If you hate her, Rakaran is. And listening to Mike today. If you're not into Hogan. And you hate Bobby the Brain. If you like Booker T at midnight. And squashing cruises like grapes. Then I got the job that you're looking for. Right to Ted and escape. Didn't think about my ratings. I don't even know what they mean. But me and my old ratings had fallen into that same old dull routine. So I wrote to the Observer, dedicated it to Ted. Though I'm no Lanny Poffo, I'll suck my in bed. Yes, I ate her, Rakaran is. I fucking hate Mike Tenay. I created Gangrel's Brood and pushed Stefan Shane. I gotta meet you by tomorrow noon to cut through Patterson's red tape at this place called the Garden where I'll plan my escape. So I waited with high hopes as Ted walked into place. I knew that stash in an instant I knew the fat on his face. I said, Ted, this is kind of shady. He said, I want a coup. Then we laughed for a moment. And I said, I never knew that you ate her is and that prick Mike today. You want to give me a promotion and then sell the company to Shane? Yeah, I'll push Booker T at midnight. And then I'll bury Dallas Page. I'm the rioter you're looking for. To make sure WCW dies. Because WCW must die. Okay, so right off the bat, I got to say something about spoilers. Uh, Peacock has, you know, their little menu where they have all the episodes of WCW Monday Nitro that you can pick from, whether this season, this episode, etc. And you go to the one that we're covering today on WCW Must Die. I'm Johnny C. He's Brian Gray. Uh, and there's a picture of Diamond Dallas Cage on top of a steel cage, which tells me that Diamond Dallas Page is going to be in a steel cage match tonight. But that's part of the plot. It's kind of like when you go to Blockbuster and you rent Avengers Endgame and there's a picture of Tony Stark's tombstone on the cover. Spoiler alert for Avengers Endgame. Brian, how's it going, man? Who's Tony Stark's? Tony Stark is... Iron Man, I know that. Yes, he is. Uh, he does whatever an iron can. Uh, spoiler, <laughs> I have not walked, watched Inception, so I'm sorry. Jesus. Well, you know what? It's kind of funny because I had a dream 
where we were doing this podcast and I knew that you hadn't covered Inception and I was going to have to pick up the pace. So uh, just to let everyone out there know, I did make a promise that I would be watching something special for the podcast. Uh, maybe if you're nice to me, Ryan, and massage me a little bit, I'll cover my end uh, towards the end of the show. But uh, like I said, it's tops. WCW must die. Uh, and and I, I think I promised you Thunder, Ryan, and I, I just fucked up. I'm so sorry. It's actually yeah. another episode of Nitro. Oh, thunder. I know. I know. Um, this comes at us from April 24th, 2000. And we just, you know, I like to tell a lot of jokes. This is crazy to me, Ryan. When I clicked on the date, 12 years from this night, I would become a father for the second time. It's insane. Congratulations on the sex, Johnny C. Uh, yes. Well, like I said, it was the second time and, it, you know, that was the last time. But uh, it's really it's really weird to think about because, uh, you know, I guess I don't know. That's the whole story. But it's like uh, it's to the day, which was kind of not creepy, but like interesting to me that uh, I can imagine, you know, the version of me sitting on my couch at home watching this with like an Arby's roast beef sandwich versus the version of me now that has a kid. And I sometimes eat an Arby's roast beef sandwich. <laughs> I, uh, Landon, my first son, was born on ECW's 2006 RVD Cena one night stand the night before. Oh, so, if Cena wins, we riot. That is such a great, yes. that's a great sign template, man. I mean, I know that Austin invented Austin 316, but, you know, you, you see the people at the sports shows with like the John 316 sign. And, you know, that becomes a template for, like, all athletic events going forward. I love how If Blank Happens, We Riot became a wrestling show template. <laughs> yes, and uh, the first night he was born, obviously, I stayed in the hospital. And then the second night, I went home and watched RVD versus Cena. But I went back to the hospital afterwards. Anyways, Johnny C., how excited My were you God. to watch this show? I, I was very excited. I was so excited that, oh, my God, I'm getting cut off. I can't even tell you how excited we are because Sting and Vampiro are fighting in the back. Ugh, ugh, ugh. Man, this was embarrassing. Uh, so, yeah, all jokes aside, they cut right in. Like, they cut right into the show, and Sting and Vampiro were in the back having a, a Pier 17 brawl. And Tony Schiavone says Vampiro might be hitting Sting with, and Ryan, this is where I need you, man. I need the power of you. He's hitting him with a lead and a steel pipe. Now. Can a pipe be simultaneously lead and steel? Go as long as it takes. Well, steel would be hollow. Okay. And, you know, it would be, it depends on the metal, but it would be maybe less dense. But, you know, would you say lead? Or lead would be packed within the steel pipe, so it would be more dense and more heavy and more impactful. Either way, both ways, you get fucking knocked out. So is what Tony's saying dumb or does it make sense? Uh, maybe a little bit of both. Okay. Now, I did read on Wikipedia that lead pipes were outlawed in 86 for carrying public water supply. Is that still an issue in your line of work? Yes, that's why we have PVC piping, that white piping, that's drip for, that's mostly for drainage. And mm -hmm. um, that's where your ship pipe goes. And, you know, but the first joint in the building needs to be lead and oakum still. But outside of that first joint, you have to go to, pl you have to convert to plastic. And after that first joint, you're ready to watch what happens next in WCW Monday Night Show. From April 24th, year 2000, we're in Rochester, New York. It's the, it's a Blue Cross Arena. I think that's an insurance reference. What type of world are we living in where the insurance companies own the sports arenas? 
that's an aside we're not going to talk about. That's, that's in Rochester, New York, where there are like minor league hockey franchises. Oh, uh, there was a minor league hockey franchise where I went to college. Um, I guess that's the whole story. Did you see that when Stig and Vampiro were in the back, they kind of edged towards a gorilla and they just go through the curtain and bump into Bam Bam Bigelow. And when I say bump into Bam Bam Bigelow, I don't mean like they bumped into him and then an angle started. I mean, like Bam Bam was just sitting there like a fucking bump on a log and they bumped into it. Didn't this happen last week with other guys? Yeah. Uh, Stasiak and uh, Mr. Perfect, Perfect almost yeah. got caught on camera. So WCW clearly needs to do something about the people in gorilla when well, they schedule was away from Bam Bam this time because Funk was making his way to the ring. Getting ready That's true. That's true. So like we usually do, we're going to talk about what happened on the show and then we'll talk about what really happened. So as Ryan mentioned, our opening match for the WCW Hardcore Championship, Terry Funk defeats Bam Bam Bigelow via what I like to call Cat Scratch Fever. Ryan, what happened in this confrontation for the ages? Uh, fucking a lot of garbage. <laughs> Funk, Funk makes his way to the ring and Bam Bam attacks him. They whack each other in the heads with fucking steel cages, uh, with steel chairs all the way to the ring. Fucking the, the cat runs in, makes it entertaining, gets, and then he gets knocked out and then it gets back to shitty wrestling. The pat, <laughs> They put a trash can on Bam Bam's head. The cat does a flip kick type of a maneuver and knocks out Bam Bam. Funk falls on him again. One star. Anyways, what's up? <laughs> the, at some point, I thought I saw, did they bring Moppy out for this? Did, were they hitting each other with mops? Yes. <laughs> yeah. I, did think of Perry, I did think of Perry Saturn. Yes, I did. But uh, the, the cat, the, so it's important. There's, a, there's some interesting wardrobe choices in this match. Basically, Bam Bam Bigelow is wearing the like Las Vegas Nitro Grill shirt, so he's just doing my job for me, honestly. <laughs> and you've got uh, the cat is wearing this giant red scarf with a black see-through button down. It's like the most 2000 thing I've ever seen, but of course he's Ernest the Cat Miller, so he looks like a badass. He looks fly as fuck. Yeah, and that, that heel kick that he does is, is made even more glorious by the fact that before he like delivers it, he's kind of like hiding behind Terry Funk and the referee like it's an insane game of peekaboo. And then he just pops out like my shoes. And then, you know, he does the flip kick. And... He definitely said my my shoes. I don't he know. Does. It's, it, I can't. I like Bam Bam. I like Funk. <laughs> like what are these WCW hardcore matches? They're 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 borderline very terrible. They are. But. Okay, here's the real test of strength, though, and this is a testament to the writing power of Vince Russo, either in a positive or a negative. Do you know why the cat was interfering in this match, or are you just going to equate it to hardcore match shenanigans? Uh, the latter. <laughs> I don't know if you remember it's Slamboree, and I don't blame you for not, that uh, Bam Bam Bigelow stole Ernest the Cat Miller's uh, uh, place in the United States Championship Tournament against Mike Awesome. You know, oh, do you mean so, spring stampede? What did I what did you say? What did I say? You said slamboree, which is next week or two weeks. I don't know. You know, if I don't say the wrong year or the wrong name of the show, at least once during our podcast, I'm not doing my job. So no, you're meeting your quota. It's all good. 
I'm going to allow it. But there, there was there was something interesting here is that uh, you know the cat is it's trying to basically get vengeance on Bam Bam for taking his spot. But is this something that happens in real sports? Uh, as a person who watches real sports, like if if UC doesn't get voted into the like four team playoff in the NCAA, can they just like attack the University of Alabama and like take their spot? Like, can they maintain like can they go into you know the University of Alabama and sort of like take over the school like in that movie Toy Soldiers? If they have a money in the bank contract, they can. Oh, my God. I, I just got this fantastic vision of like. The University of Cincinnati Bearcats running onto the field the fourth quarter and like trying to get the refs' attention to being like, We got the briefcase, we got the case. You know, they're the gonna, crowd's they're just gonna going, take Alabama's spot when Alabama's winning twenty one three. Oh my god. I think that would be fantastic. <laughs> I would love to see things that can only happen in wrestling matches happen in like real sports. Like if you know, like if if LeBron fouls out of a game and before the he'll other never, team shoots the field. He'll never fall out of a game. Come on. Before they shoot the free throws, if he like shows up in a white Hummer and just hits whomever's taking the free throws. Yeah, it, it, but if uh, Cincinnati does do that to Alabama, it would be the heist of the century. Would it? Uh, I don't know much, except uh, most of the people I work with are telling me I should be paying attention to the University of Cincinnati football, uh, which is Alabama, fine. I mean, they're getting in, man. They, Cincinnati has like a 60 percent chance of getting in anyways. So they're looking all right, dude. Well, that's great. I mean, that's cool. I like when local shit happens uh, because it's something to talk about. It. Uh, yeah, uh, a guy I work with was telling me that their uh, conference championship is this weekend, so I might catch it. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I mean, I don't – now, don't get me wrong. The gimmick is I don't know what I'm talking about with sports, but I, I pay attention. I mean, I grew up, you know, watching the Bulls and the home run competition. I mean, that's a part of pop culture when I was younger, just like how it is now for the for people. So I don't, yeah, I don't blame it. Yeah, for sure. After uh, after the University of Cincinnati uh, cashed in their contract, though, we did. I think they would do a commercial, and then we came back and we were recapping what happened when Nitro went off the air. So, can you yes. can you put us in that Finally. space? Because this was a big one for you. You wanted to know what happened. So, what what happened? Brett whacked the shit out of Hogan, man. Now we, we he found did. out. Unlike the Sopranos, we found out. He did, uh, but. I do have a serious question. Was he hitting Hulk Hogan or Terry Bollea? Oh, that's the mystery. We'll have to find that one out. It is. And it's actually nice. And a nice piece of promotional synergy. They do indicate that Scott Hudson will be conducting a sit-down interview with Bret Hart on Thunder. So that confirms two things. We will get follow-up. And our next episode on WCW Must Die will be a Thunder. And it's a very, very important thunder. Let's go. Exactly. Is let's go a thing that people say on the Internet or in real life. Uh, I, I got to say it a lot. Let's go. What do we get? You know, we get fired up for something. Football. Yeah, for sure. Talking it, it, to it, kids. It, yeah. That's I, yeah. It, my kids say it all the time and it became part of the vernacular around here. And, and, and then I saw somebody on YouTube do it and I was like, oh, it's a YouTube thing where people say let's go. But does it work? Does it work for you with your wife? I mean, a spoiler alert for later in the show, but yes. Oh, no. Well, there will be there will be something a little saucy later on. Uh, But no, it doesn't work. Of course not. Are you kidding me? Now, do you think Bret Hart, the character or Bret Hart, the mm, man actually hit Terry Bollea 
the uh, Terry Bollea the man or Hulk Hogan the character? Bret Hart, the person, has wanted to hit Terry Bollea for a long time, but I also kind of think Bret Hart's the world's biggest bitch. <laughs> so oh. I think that um, Bret Clark was hitting Hollywood Hulk Hogan because he does not have the balls to hit Terry Bollea. Yeah, Terry Bollea was not, very, very tan. Well, he well, and that's saying something too, because Red Hart at the peak of his powers in '97 is pretty tan too. Doesn't he wear like a? He wears like something uh, really dark pink and black, and like, oh, I don't know if it's Survivor Series or Canadian Stampede, and he just really looks like he's cancerous. Uh, I think he turns out all right, but you know what did not turn out all right was this fucking Billy Kidman promo. Yeah, we do get a Billy Kidman interview, and I, I feel like you're rubbing off on me because my first note is Tori is like level 10 here. I wrote, roll, uh, hell, it's the first thing I wrote. I wrote, how roll tide is Tori Wilson here? <laughs> roll tide on Terry. Yeah. Or Terry. God, I said Terry. See, there you go. There's the second time. Yeah, um, she's wearing like this, <laughs> kind of looks like a promotional outfit for WCW Thunder because she's wearing, it's like got blue lightning bolts on it. I don't know. She did not look bad. If you want to go rewatch this show, anyone, I think that is the prime example to go do it. Yeah, and, uh, you know, but it is, and and I, and I do want to pay a little bit of attention to this because this is a wrestling show after all. Uh, we shit on Billy Kidman, not so much the character, but the scripted character. Um, and, and this week, one of the themes of the show is going to be them uh, sort of rehabbing Kidman. So I do want to kind of talk about what he's talking about. He makes a mistake by bringing up to Hogan. He says, you damn near killed me, Hulk, but I'm here tonight, which, you know, makes me think right away that, like, if I sprained my ankle, like, I'm probably on the couch for a couple days. If this guy was almost dead, how is he here ready to perform? Do you think the uh, the rib tape is uh, the same magical tape that DDP used to wear? I think this rib tape went past his nipples because he was so beat <laughs> up from Hulk, from that car accident with Hulk. DDP would only wear it just, like, to his belly button. <laughs> so, so yeah, but I like that he's at least referencing that you can't kill me, Hulk. I'm too, you know, you, you gave it your best. You hit me with a car, but I'm still here. But then it's the absurdity of it all. If you hit me with a car and here I am this week. Yeah, he proclaims to be more of a man than Hulk. That's why he took him out with a Hummer. Yeah, he's, he says, I want you tonight. You bring the yellow and I'll supply the red. I guess he's oh. talking about uh, ketchup. Is that what he's talking about? I think he's talking about blood, Johnny. Are you – I don't know. Like, I think mustard's good on anything. Are you more ketchup, mustard, or some sort of crazy third option? I'm more of a Grey Poupon guy. Um, are you, uh, d- Dead serious. Okay. Fair enough. I didn't – Do you know what Grey Poupon is? Yes. I know what Grey Poupon is because I grew up in the 90s. And I was constantly asking people if they had any of it. Well, I, if you need any, I'm that guy. Like, we had pastrami sandwiches for dinner tonight, and I had some Grey Poupon with it. Pastrami sandwiches. You invite over Mark Madden. Hey, I'm Mark Madden, guys. I got something important. I can never show you hotline. I'm going to tell you why I always sound like I got pastrami in my teeth. Uh, no, call like, in. I had to cook dinner, so I did it in the air fryer, which made it easier. Ooh. But what'd you make me? Uh, if it's in the air fryer, I can do it. You, you're the worst. You're the worst partner a man could ask for. Um, <laughs> you, you, you know, you could have you could have Amazon primed it to me. You could have sent me something. Uh, hey, speaking of which, can you like Venmo me twenty bucks? I need to get dinner later. 
but we'll talk about that. We can talk about we can talk about that after the show. Uh, you're going to send me some digital papers. Somebody else has got papers, and they're walking to the ring. It's Kimberly and Eric Bischoff, and Kimberly says to Eric, "Do I look okay?" That's a really bad Kimberly Page. I don't. She doesn't really have like anything to mock, and he tells her to lose the jacket. Like he's a smooth operator. Uh, have you ever lost a jacket? I don't really wear jackets, even though I live in the Northeast. I just find them as like, I'm a hoodie guy, you know? Okay, yeah, but I mean, how thick, I mean, I like hoodies too, but I've never had a a hoodie that could compensate for a coat, and especially in like the cold New England uh, summer that you guys get up there. I'm pretty, I'm pretty thick myself, so I'm good. But uh, when we were in the Survivor Series, we went to the Survivor Series in Brooklyn, uh, our friend Jenny was constantly bitching about the weather being too cold, and it was like 54 degrees and it was perfect and like jt and i were in like t-shirts <laughs> but she had that sweet blue coat i saw the pictures she it was a badass coat that wouldn't do anything i guess not i don't think it was i don't think it was like super thick i think it was kind of like a folly coat which is like perfect for that weather but maybe not perfect for her see folks these are the sacrifices that we make to look good I, I'm, I, I, I do take back what I said about the coat because I'm totally willing to sacrifice the coat if it goes against what I'm wearing. If it doesn't, you know, accentuate, uh, you know, my Becky Lynch T-shirt, then it's not going to happen. Like you, what, I could already tell you have way more fashion than me. I don't have much fashion going on. Because <laughs> I did some shtick about where I actually do have. It makes you feel any better. I have on. Um, I'll take your compliment and run with it and act like it's the truth. But I have on like blue mesh shorts and literally a fucking like, the man t-shirt that has this, the man text is all broken and barely legible because it's old. I'm wearing gray sweatpants with a thermal, but whatever. Yeah. Um, I love it. This is dynamite. This is why people listen to the radio. Uh, we go to commercial, <laughs> but we come back with Vince Russo, Norman Smiley. And this is great because I get to hear Norman Smiley talk. Like, what's with his – is he doing, like, a, a shtick, or is this how he talks, where he takes these breaks? Vince, I tell you, I've got to win the title. Well, at least he can – Vince Russo gives him a chance to pick a partner so it's more more even against Terry Funk at Slamboree. I do like that. The the evening of the playing field, it reminds me of, like, old 90s heel-ish. Like, you know what? This isn't fair, so we're going to even the playing field, like – Again, the heels have to believe that what they're saying is the truth. Um, so I do like this, but you're right. He he offers Norman Smiley a hardcore title match at Slambury Stampede. I did that one on purpose. Don't tweet me. Actually, you can tweet me at Save Martha Russo, and uh, you know we can talk. <laughs> but he's getting he's getting a partner. So I just want to go on record right now, and I just want you to blurt out the first thing, unless you know who's his partner. I have no idea. Is it you're wrong? It's been- if it's, is it someone that we've already seen on TV or is it someone new? Is it Okay, so it's someone that we haven't covered, but they've been on WCW television before. Is it Nobbs? No, it is not Brian Nobbs. I think when we last saw Brian Nobbs, he was falling to his death on an episode of Thunder. <laughs> See, this is why you got to get excited for Thunder, man. You get shit like Brian Nobbs falling off of uh, an arena causeway. Now, it's, now I'm, I'm going to ask you later, but I'm now... I'd rather ask you now, is Thunder a tape show or is it live? Thunder is a tape show uh, towards the, the end of WCW. It's like right after Nitro. But as of now, Same they're night? tape. Yeah, they would do like back. I mean, that's really towards the end. And then Thunder just got canceled. But uh, they do it on Tuesdays and it airs Wednesdays, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, that makes sense. 
sometimes there's this weird shit where like they'll say last night on nitro things were crazy and then the <laughs> announcers will be like two nights ago on nitro and it just it, you know it's but it's wcw so like anymore. right right absolutely um the next segment involves jeff jarrett and eric bischoff and kimberly page coming down to the ring we, we do see that kimberly has lost the jacket now i know that you haven't seen a lot of movies and that's fine you've watched a little bit of tv i don't even know you know we covered video games briefly but um where do you stand on like grand theft auto do you know what that is uh i know of it okay grand so you know not grand three that's a little no, grand like three yeah yes yes yeah so basically you know you know the it basically it's a it's a sandbox game you can do all the missions and watch the story and shit like that or you can just run around and shoot people or like rob banks so like those are called side quests in video game jargon okay this episode the reason i'm asking this is because this episode of wcw monday nitro took me on a few different side quests I think so, side quests is a good way to describe Vince Russo's booking. Oh, it, in, in it, that it, it, in the show structure. <laughs> yeah, uh, but I, I specifically wanted to mention I went on a little side quest because of what happens before this interview starts. They cut to the crowd, okay, and in the crowd is Mr. Courtney Cox himself, David Arquette, as Mark Madden likes to call him. Yeah, uh, and. You know, he's got the the Andre the Giant Obey t-shirt on, which is kind of cute. And I took a video of this that was on my Twitter, and I actually got some feedback from David Arquette about this tweet that I sent out. So I guess I that's see that. even, very cool. Yeah, even more of a reason to, to check out the tw- old Twitter feed there. But um, there's a person behind David Arquette, two people, maybe they're best friends, maybe they're enemies, I don't know. But what, they each have one sign. The first sign says... Uh, greatest movie of all time or best movie ever or something like that. And the other one says police Academy five. So we're going to go on a little side quest here, Ryan. Have you seen any of the police Academy movies? Oh, gosh, uh, not recently. If, if not ever, I remember them from like the late eighties, early nineties as a kid. Yeah. Like I know the concept, but I'll tell you what, I, I really honestly, I haven't seen any of them either. So, but I know I have like the, the like the weirdo character talks like that. Oh, I don't, I don't fucking know that's terrible. But you oh, know, like Bobcat Goldwing. Is it Bobcat Goldwing? <laughs> that guy. Yes, way better than I, I tried to do it. <laughs> and I know the 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 beast from the east, Steve Gutenberg, is in a lot of them. I don't know why I called it the beast from the east, but you know, Steve Gutenberg <laughs> and his and his curly ass hair is in most of them. Um, but I haven't seen any of them either. So I don't know if they're good. I have reason to believe that the fifth version of anything probably isn't, especially unless it's Star Wars, probably can't be that good. So I was wondering, are these guys like doing this ironically? They look like a couple of college kids. Maybe they're just like really stoned and Police Academy 5 is a movie they like to watch and giggle at. Because I've got, oh, you probably have movies like that. You know, like we all know Billy Madison's not like a cultural icon, but it's a pretty funny movie that we could watch any day of the week as an example. Have you seen Billy Madison for fuck's sake? Yeah, I've seen that a billion times. Okay. Yes. Perfect. Thank you. You've seen it a million times. You got a buddy that comes over or, you know, maybe if you had a day where nothing was going on or you had to do something around the house, if Billy Madison's on, you're not watching it, but you can talk along with it. Maybe Police Academy five is that for these guys. So I rolled over to HBO max and I watched only the first 30 minutes of Police Academy 5. 
I can report back to you, Ryan, with 100% certainty that the best movie ever is not Police Academy 5 Assignment Miami Beach. I did not appreciate it. Would you call it mailed in? Yes, because Gutenberg wasn't there. Apparently, he was filming Three Men and a Baby. Have you seen Three Men and a Baby? Oh, is that uh no? <laughs> God, Selick. It is. You had me for a minute. Now you you do know what it is because I was uh, you you fucking I couldn't uh, think honeypot- that I gave you, up when it came to me. You, you honeypotted me though because you you were leading in like, oh, is that the one with? And I was like, oh yes, he's seen this. We can talk about it. And then it's like, fuck you. <laughs> no, that's I remember that. I remember that from like the, like a late 80s, early 90s, and my dad's hotbox. So I remember seeing it back then, but I retain nothing. Yeah, and that's okay. It was a better choice. Gutenberg made the better career move. Um, Punky Brewster's dad was in it. You ever watch Punky Brewster? No, but I saw that there was a – I kind of saw – I, I kind of remember Punky – I remember Punky Brewster, but I saw that there was a remake on the Peacock. There is. And, hey, oh, remakes on Peacock. Spoiler for Saved by the Bell season two on Peacock, which I think is brilliant and hilarious, and it's a whole nother podcast. Really? Uh, I do. I honestly like. I know that. Like, I grew up watching Saved by the Bell. I think like a lot That's of people. Nice. Okay, perfect. So, Saved by the Bell, the new series, is honestly a really great satirical look at us for loving the original series. It's really a show where the kids get into like problems, just like they did on the old Saved by the Bell, and then they kind of get into troubles that are exactly like an episode that happened in Saved by the Bell, and they kind of react to it in a completely different way than the kids from the 90s show and point out to the audience how absurd this show was and how ridiculous these these characters are, but they also exist in that world, so they just roll with it. You you know know, it's like I have saw scene? What's that? Showgirls. And I have to... I would, God damn it, we're just going this rabbit hole, but I can't, when else am I going to have this opportunity? Not only did they make Showgirls part of Jesse Spano's official backstory in this new Saved by the Bell show, which Shut I do recommend. Did they really? I, sw- I swear to God. Oh, God. I, it's like I do. I didn't. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, but the whole reason I brought, uh, and I, well, a Showgirls is also a masterpiece in a way that put all your 13-year-old keyboard jokes down. Like, it's Wax. got a brilliant. It's got a brilliant director. It's got uh, it, it still looks well. It's filmed very well. And it's it's one of those bad movies that's so good or so bad it's good. But like I actually think it's brilliant. Um, it's again, it's a whole other podcast. But the whole goddamn reason I brought it up is because in one of the episodes, they name drop under The Undertaker, Monday Night Raw and Heath Slater within 25 seconds. All in the Saved by the Bell episode? Yes. In, uh, so Slater's, Slater, Monday Night Raw, and who? Uh, the Undertaker. Yeah. Oh, wow. Slater's talking to his therapist, and he's like, you know what? You can only reinvent yourself so many times. And, of course, the audience is supposed to be thinking that Slater's talking about himself. He's like, and that's why I'm just worried about The Undertaker a lot. And I don't know if they just got a note from like NBC, like, hey, we own the WWE network now, so talk about it. Oh, some uh, cross promotion on the Peacock. Yes, yes. So this was the Peacock Minute, uh, which was preceded by the HBO Max Minute, which is preceded by the Police Academy Minute. So we are just on a roll.
<laughs> but you know what was also on a roll um, was DDT. Diamond, Diamond Dallas Page's fucking Albert Einstein t-shirt. His Albert Einstein t-shirt. <laughs> and and um, have you ever called anyone a jagoff? First of all, I think I just said Alfred Einstein. <laughs> I let it go. Oh, God. So I, I feel like I'm in a Police Academy movie. Yes, I've called someone a jagoff. I think I called Aaron a jagoff on an episode one time because DDP also said jagoff. What is with this jagoff, man? Why does he why can he not say jagoff? He's just so uncool. Like, you don't realize it until you go back and rewatch it. He's, like, not a very good wrestler. Like, he's fine when he's not with Macho. It just uh, proves how good Macho Man really is long term, really, to put this guy on, you know, that next level of the map or whatever. But, ugh, like, his brawling. Well, we'll get to it later. His formulaic brawling in the fucking crowd and then his stupid catchphrases. I guess he has some charisma, but he's, like, all mad and he's like a shitty mad he's shitty when he's mad and i am just so down on ddp after watching wcw he, 2000 it's interesting because um you know he owes a he i think a lot of people credit the macho man and i do too i absolutely do too um i i think that the nash and i think they they talked about this briefly on the war zone um i don't think they missed a gun here yet but the the organic nature of how DDP was the first person to literally like turn down the NWO. The NWO was the cool thing. And DDP was like the first person to openly rebel against it. So he owes Nash and Hall big time for that, for them being the guy saying we want to give Paige the rub. Which was cool, but you know, that was also 1997. <laughs> so no, I know. No, it's, maybe, it, which <clears throat> maybe my issue is 2000 DDP. I'm not sure, but Sheesh, oh no, we're we're, we're, we're miles. Away. Yeah, we're miles away from that. Don't get me wrong. He's in here. Uh, Kimberly said she wanted a divorce. By the way. Yeah, he called. Can her you a believe super it? Bitch. He did call her a super bitch. I think Bischoff wants to divorce whoever sold him this wireless mic. What'd you think of this? He's got like a a wireless mic attached to him, and he keeps fucking oh, with yeah, it. Well, and I like to say that. And then Jarrett goes to hand him the fucking mic, and he's like, "I have a wireless mic." <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's he he's. Oh, so I don't know. It's you basically they're going back and forth They're This is to promote the Slamboree main event, clearly, because we talked about how last week they're going to do the triple cage, the same cage match from the great classic 2000 film Ready to Rumble, which, again, is just a glorious piece. Have you seen it, please? I, I have seen it, but so long ago, I don't really retain much. Uh, Oliver Platt deserved an Oscar, but again, that is an entirely another podcast. Um, so a brawl kind of breaks out, and this fan runs in the ring, and Seth Rollins is like, "Oh no, that's bad." I just wanted an excuse to say Seth Rollins. I hate Seth Rollins so goddamn much. Do you? Is it because you're wearing a man T-shirt and he's married to your girl? Oh, I didn't even think about that. Now I kind of feel bad. No, I just think he's the worst. He's greasy and i think he's meant greasy, to be greasy and like but that's the thing is that he thinks he's so smart because he turned what the internet thought of him into his character and it's like i don't know i guess i kind of got to give him credit then i kind of like seth rollins and i'm kind of you know he's kind of my favorite wrestler i've got uh. seth rollins i've gotten waves from i don't i don't think 
like his 2014 to 15, like when he turns on the shield, JJ security wins the WWE championship. And then like, is like the start of the architect thing is actually really good. If you go back and watch it and it, it's, and then just like his return, it's, it's just, I don't know. It's up is and that, down. Is that his the run that, is, yeah, his IC mid card runs good. His world title runs terrible. It's, it's kind of wavy. You know what I mean? Yeah. His, his cash in is a legendary moment in the pantheon of WrestleMania. I, I can never take that away from you. Unbelievable. Yes. It's just, it was. Yeah. I've it's a moment a in time. I've gone to a bunch of WrestleManias and that like that cash in convinced me to go to a bunch of WrestleManias. Well, there you go. There you, there you go. go. Well, you know, cashing in is what we're doing and it's what UC is doing. It's what Big E did. And now it's what it's actually David Arquette is doing. He's cashing in on how he's newly famous for being in a relationship with Courtney Cox and being in the screen movies and the star of the massive flop that was ready to rumble. He's in here. He hits the ring to protect DDP from Eric Bischoff and Jeff Jarrett and maybe Kimberly. I don't know if she's going to get some kicks in or not. Um, Were you excited that, I mean, here we are, man. We are at the moment. David Arquette is now part of the active roster. I was so excited that I called 1-800-KICK-YOUR-BUTT. You son of a bitch. Did you really? Because I fucking did. <laughs> no, I didn't do it, but I should have. Did you really? I, I did. I Again, I'm blaming it. I swear to God, I went on a side quest. So I called 1-800-KICK-YOUR-BUTT, and I <laughs> – I called this guy a couple times, and I think it ended up pissing him off. Um, it didn't start well. I, basically, I called the number, and it's like, would you like to save money on a cheap flight? Press one. So I pressed one. And then this guy picks up the phone, and he's like, cheap flights. And I'm like, oh, hello? Can I make a reservation for a cheap flight? You know, And, and this was a legitimate thing. I could not believe this. And um, he told me his name was Bailey. He seemed like a nice guy, but then I got all journalistic on him, and I was like, "Look, you know, I I work uh, on this podcast, and and it, David Arquette is on a video on the Peacock streaming service, giving out your contact information. You know, uh, is there any official comment you have? You'd like to say anything to Peacock or NBC Universal, and how do you think this will impact your business?" And he just hung up on me. <laughs> and no, that's it. That's the whole. That's the whole thing. Uh, I. I know. I did try to call him back, and I had him going for a little bit that I was going to end up booking a flight to Stanford, but I didn't want. I felt. I felt bad. And, and folks, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not sitting here advocating for like prank phone calls. I wasn't prank doing a prank phone call. I was I was doing a phone call and speaking to a person about something semi serious. There's a huge difference. Are you fucking jerky boys over here? Oh no, I don't do the jerky boys. That's that never my thing. <laughs> but. What is our thing is David Arquette versus Eric Bischoff tonight. At the top of the hour. Top of the hour. And if, DDP, it is, if Arquette wins, DDP gets a title shot tonight. So, yeah, in a steel cage, right, baby? In a that's, cage. A, that's what, that's what David Arquette says. But here's, the, here's my problem. I already know who wins because Peacock told me. At this point, I'm into the show already. I know that when I clicked on the episode, it was Paige on top of a cage. And that rhymed. Now, when you uh, when you saw that, when you were as mad as chronic, all up in Russo's <laughs> ass in a backstage uh, segment after that, he's too cool again, man. I don't. I, again, I'm ashamed. I'm ashamed. I'm ashamed. Jersey with his leather jacket, with the Rolex hanging from his wrist, and he's yes. just like, I don't know, like a full who, head of hair. Just who is Spr- who is Sprewell? 
He's the guy that choked the coach, PJ Carlisle. No, I'm just kidding. I even I knew who that was, but I know from the Chappelle show. Have you ever seen that sketch where <laughs> where people yell the name of their favorite athletes before they do something athletic? You know, if you're gonna take a three pointer, it's like bird, and then you shoot a three. And they show yeah. the dude, he's like spree whale, and he starts choking the guy. <laughs> yes, it's so good. I think it's a dude in an office too, like where a suit, he's like spree whale, you know, he just grabs him. <laughs> yeah. Let's watch. Can we do the Chappelle show next instead of WCW? <laughs> I do love the player haters ball. That's one of my favorite Chappelle show skits. We won't go on that tangent. Well, I, I do want to be serious, though. They keep they keep saying David Arquette versus Eric Bischoff at the top of the hour. At the top of the hour. They say top of the hour like 86 times. What? I mean, were they that desperate? Uh were they afraid that – I mean, they were already getting destroyed here, right? I don't know. Maybe Time Warner gave them a fucking threshold if they got to start hitting a, hitting a 1.8 or something. I don't know. I don't know. It's bad. And, they, they, you know, there's a lot of shit happening in the back. We are actually talking about a wrestling show, folks, I promise. So, yeah, Russo is getting threatened by Chronic. He says, do me a favor. So we're led to believe that they're going to do him a favor and they'll get their title shot that they've been begging for. And then the whole top of the hour gag is because Bischoff and uh, Jared are just shown in the back briefly. And Eric's like, I'm not nervous. It's David Arquette. Are you for real? <laughs> uh, so we cut the sting in the back. He's calling out Vampiro. He literally says, come out, come out, wherever you are, Vampiro. Yeah, I write that they're playing hide and seek. Yeah, I mean... So, so, so far we've seen Kidman elevate his character a little bit this evening by being kind of tough, and Vampiro is still just going up Shit's Creek without a paddle. Fucking terrible. And, yeah, and that's, you know, it is a wrestling show. It, it, it is important, I think, to that, that we track that because arguably because Sting, excuse me, because Sting and um, Vampiro are feuding and Kidman and Hogan are feuding, the other big feud is Team Package, but they're a tag team. So your two big single stars, Hogan and Sting, are feuding with Vampiro and Kidman. So they need to be – I mean, Kidman's not exactly the earthquake here, right? I mean, I cried like a, like I was on my deathbed when the earthquake earthquaked Hogan. You know, I, I'm not feeling that here with Kidman. No, not at all. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Oh. And speaking of feeling it, oh. we have – our next match, and it is a – I didn't even realize it was a mixed tag team match at first, but it is a mixed tag team match. So here's literally what happened. Chris Candido and Tammy defeated the artist formerly known as Prince Iakea and Paisley uh, when Tammy hits Paisley with the earthquake splash, literally. Um, Way to tie that in. Yeah, it, it didn't even plan it. What is going on here, man? What Were you surprised that Tammy was wrestling? I mean, just right off the bat? Well, she comes out in this like robe, and I'm like, Ooh, "What's going on here?" She, you know, she's holding it like she's she's nude underneath it, and you know, Bruce, oh. Bruce Russo's talking her through it. Babe, keep it on tight, like you're naked, so they don't change the channel. You know, that's what he's doing. And then yeah, and it's sad because oh. she's in no condition to work. Clearly, <laughs> uh, what did I give her? Uh, I gave her a six point eight out of ten. But um. Hmm. Was that her blood alcohol level? <laughs> I'm being generous. Because uh, uh, that's when, you know, she rips the robe off and then she got her schoolgirl outfit on. The shirt, the, the skirt is nice and short. And this it's, is like a, a, it's like a, this it's is like a weird wife beater. It's like 
overly big and it's just I don't know. It, it Look, just she's wearing really she's wearing a onesie. Okay, <laughs> let's be clear. She's wearing a onesie, and she's just she looks fried. And again, I'm not commenting on like how she looks. I'm talking about like what her her soul looks like behind her eyes. Okay, she looks in a bad place, and this is hard to watch. But then she starts wrestling, and it's awful, and it's beautiful and brilliant. And uh, we saw the Tammy Plancha. I'm just going to put that out there. Hey, okay. she, was she like – she got some height when she dove, I guess. I don't, I don't know. Uh, like, it was – it's, it's a match. It's terrible. And it's just, like, piss-poor planning, and it's – Prince and fucking Candino are te- – like, they're not bad wrestlers at all, but they're, like, doing stupid spots to make this fucking – dumb mixed tag work and it's just so awful and it's like the worst shit ever but her dive is like wow that was kind of all right (laughs) it was kind i was a little appalled though when they get her up for the suplex and it's literally just so her they you know they hold her up for a long time so her fur her fur her skirt falls forward and that's that's (laughs) what you picked up bro well it that's where you get to see that it's like this onesie and it's like it's disgusting and it's gross. And uh, she does beat Paisley with the earthquake. And um, I gave this four and a half stars. And I'm not oh kidding. God. Uh, I gave it four and a half stars and I'm sitting by it. Uh, we're not quite at five stars. Um, as everybody knows, I'm, I'm here. I'm in the entertainment business, which is, you know, what these guys are into. I promise. These are entertainment stars. Um, no, it's obviously not four and a half star wrestling match. Are you kidding me? But it's so close to being you have to watch this. It's four and a half for me. Would you give it? A dud. And I never give duds. There was nothing well, but, like redeemingly anything on it. It's terrible. It's just funny because Sonny and Sonny's out there just being Sonny. She is. Uh, because there's no Tammy has no character to be serious about it. Um, she's they, not even charismatic anymore either. You know, it's just sad. No, that's the thing. And, and I don't even remember she got on the mic. It's 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 fitting that we have Slamboree coming up, and try to try to hold me accountable to this when the Slamboree show starts because Lord knows where my head will be at at that point. But she gives a little introduction before the Slamboree match that Candido has, and I can like spit it to you verbatim because it's this to me it's this amazing example of how how far you know she's fallen. Like it's her delivery, she's hammered. It's bad allegedly. Ugh, it's sad. Yeah, so Candido and Sonny or, or Tammy are hanging out in the ring, and all of a sudden Sting Sting's music starts, and it's oh showtime, God. folks. Yeah, Sting music hit, and he's like fast walking to the ring, no apron, no nothing, and then Sonny sees him, but Candino's like staring in the crowd, looking for him for felt like fifteen minutes. Yeah, um, you think Sting and Tammy had the same dealer? <laughs> oh gosh, uh, dealer of what? Of uh, the dealer of cards when they go to the casino and, oh, and, and yeah, they play blackjack, blackjack, God, they play blackjack. They play, um, you know, what's that, that card thing that I see in all the movies where the guy has like three cards and he's like, come on, pick the red one, pick the red one. What is that? I bet you know that. I bet did you run one of those when you were like 12. Oh, fate, brother. Oh, all right, fair enough. Fair enough. We can't let all the secrets out. Now, do, you yeah. think, do you think Sonny was, uh, Actually, I know she was playing crabs, right? She was she was she was giving crabs is what <laughs> she was doing, allegedly. 
Um, but, you know, we're reminded here that at the top of the hour, that there's going to be a fight between Arquette and Bischoff because we cut to the back and like Canyon and DDP are trying to psych up uh, Arquette and Arquette's like about to start getting dressed. And he's like, I'm going to kill him. And then he goes, oh, where yeah. are my, and then he goes, where are my pants? And I, I thought it was fucking hilarious. Uh, this yeah, is what you're going to kill him over and over again. Like Arquette knows what he's doing. Like he's, I'm not, I don't want to give him like a ton of credit, but he knows that he's a joke to the audience. So he's just kind of playing into it. I think, I think that he knows that this is absurd, um, but he's also, he doesn't want to do a bad job. I just, I, I, you know, I don't, I'm never going to look back and say he didn't try. He seems he safe and insecure, but fine. Okay. Fair enough. I mean, I have, a, I have a ton of terrible things to say about his match later on, but he's, you know, he's not doing this against his will. And he's trying. And, no, you know, he's, he, like he's he, having fun while playing it safe, while being wicked insecure, which I get. Sure. And he ends up, you know, famously donating all the money to good wrestling causes. So, you know, hats off to you, he's David. Nice he's a nice guy. For sure. Uh, team Package is now up against Chronic. I guess this is the favor that Vince Russo was asking for. Um, yeah. So is this, Rick in slacks all the time? Yeah, it's just that insecurity thing uh, that I know we've chatted about with his, you know, he's he's kind of lost his smile, if you will. <laughs> but yeah, he's he is straight up, you know, Haynes her way until he's not. Haynes, jeez. But we also so, did we also did get Miss Hancock here a little bit. I don't remember why she's. I think we saw her last week as well. She came out randomly for a match. Uh, yeah, yeah. This is, she was called um, Smoochie Poo, was it? Or something Snoochie, like that. Snoochie Boochies. Snoochie is Boochie, what, Madden calls her. Is yes. what Mark Madden likes to say. Yeah, he's, you know, he's he's in on all that hip, the hip things that the kids are saying. I don't recall if they won this match via pinfall or disqualification. Do you or Counter or some nonsense? But Chronic won if there was a match, right? Yeah, oh, we all, didn't we get uh, Russo here? Yeah, was Russo on commentary, or he just run out and whack him with the baseball bat 30 seconds? Yeah, see, that's later. And that's the thing, too. Like, I just watched this, and, you know, I cannot remember if Package and Chronic actually had a match or they had some nonsense. Oh, they – But – Russo whacks them, and then they do a double choke slam, and I think Russo ah, makes in. That's right. They give Flair, they give Flair the high times. Because I could not believe that Ric Flair went up for this move. Yeah, he he must have good with it. No, oh, he did. He must have trusted Adams he, he or something. He tried to do a side bump. I I saw. <laughs> <laughs> He's got to get his classic shit in. Yeah, and you know the Buff and the franchise come out, I think, and start beating on Flair and uh, Luger, and then Chronic kind of looks at him and is like, uh, whatever, and they start beating up the franchise and buff because they want those tag team straps, as as, as Big Sex guys. Kevin Nash would say. Shit, bro. Yeah. yeah. So, I don't know. Give it a quarter of a star. This is terrible. I, I give it .420 stars for Chronic. <laughs> uh, and, oh, speaking of fucking terrible, we got Vic Gene with fucking Vampiro in the back. Asking I, if he accepts Sting's first blood challenge. Sting, you're so weak. You were so old. You were so whack. I want to stick my finger in your eye and watch you bleed like a stuffed pig. Now, I took serious note to this. 
He tells Sting he's going to make watch him bleed like a stuffed pig. I always thought it was stuck pig. Wouldn't a stuffed pig be like a little floofy pig that's like pink and has like little fluff in it? And you're like, oh, honey, I thought you were stuffed pig. It's a fair because I love you. I, don't, I think what? I think stuffed pig would be a fat pig that you're stuffed with good meat. Oh, well, it sounds like a sassafras stuffed pig, if you ask me. Yeah, um, I, yeah, I just... I fucking loathe Vampiro. He's wearing a shirt that says pain. And I, I think that I'm going to fucking sue him and get that shirt because he's painting me. Why he is, is he so awful. evil? That's the thing, man. Like, I think you could do a character kind of like Raven or a character that maybe has like that, you know, it's, it's kind of funny because if you look at all the big guys from the 80s, like part of the gag is like they all want to be in front of the camera and they all want to be larger than life and what have you. But what if there was like a character who wanted to wrestle because they knew they were the best at it, but absolutely didn't want any attention and didn't want to be in front of the camera or what have you. Like that's emo. Vampiro is a fucking awful performer. Now, yeah, I bet he goes back now and nope, says Bridget. shit like, like, Ugh. I bet he's he's like, oh, I just wasn't into it or they didn't have good shit for me. It's like, no, dude, you're awful. This is awful. And isn't he like a huge superstar in the early 90s in Mexico? I think so. I think so. Well, it wasn't. It, and again, this is I felt went off another side quest. I started looking at Vampiro's like history and I was trying to figure out when was this guy's peak. And on Wikipedia, I learned that he used to be a bodyguard for Millie Vanilli. <laughs> so he's so, a fake bodyguard for a fake singers. Well, I think that's probably what got him into professional wrestling. He was into the fake stuff. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Oh. Rest, I, don't, I, I too don't like when people say that wrestling's fake. Yeah, but, me either. But the less vampiro, the better for me. Please, please, please. Absolutely. Gene's in the back with Bischoff, and that's mean Gene. To you, buddy. He, t- he basically sets up a match for later and sets up a stipulation for Slamboree. Uh, tonight, it's going to be awesome. Mike Awesome. Thank God for Mike Awesome. Oh. Billy Kidman against Hulk Bolea. Because <laughs> I don't and, know who he's going to come out as yet. Yeah, and a partner of his choosing. Anyone you can get, Hulk. Anyone from the back. Anyone that will go out there with you is what they tell him, I think. Well, you missed the segment with Awesome Kidman, Tori. Bischoff and Kimberly. And then I after it I just wrote who's hotter, Toria Kimberly, Johnny C. Oh my. I think that is an easy, easy uh checkbox in the win column for Tori Wilson. It's not even close. Kimberly's too tan here, which I agree, but ooh, I wouldn't I wouldn't sneeze at her though. Like oof, but Tori well, Wilson. I mean in your hypothetical que- in your hypothetical question that is uh, surely an un- unobtainable goal. Um, you know, I get, I get, I get to Speaking pick. Yourself, so it's oh, well, fair enough. So I, I don't say that to snub Kimberly. Don't get me wrong, but like it's, for me, for me, it's an easy choice. One, one hundred percent of the time. Um, yeah, and Slamboree, we got a special ref. It's Bischoff for Hogan v Kidman. Um, I don't know. I feel like that's a very fair choice. I feel like Eric Bischoff knows a lot about the wrestling business. And honestly, you couldn't ask for a better or better special guest referee. So I think that uh, it's going to be a nice, even down the middle match. Absolutely. I got, and then coming up for the match, I wrote 
Mike Gossam looks like a million bucks and Tory Wilson looks like two million. <laughs> you bet your bottom dollar. We got Mike Awesome and Kidman defeating, defeating Hulk Hogan and God because he doesn't have a tag partner. You know, nobody, spoiler alert, nobody comes out to help Hulk. Uh, when Kidman pins Hogan after a fucking leg drop, Brian, this was entertainment. Am I wrong or am I right? This is this might be my favorite Nitro match that we've watched so far. This was you know? good. It well, was this like was fun. Four, it, I gave it two and a half stars, which is amazing. <laughs> but absolutely, uh, it was actually super fun and it kind of like a testament of why Hulk is like amazing. Yeah, we, th- and this is also a testament for Mike Awesome should have been a bigger part of this. Um, oh, can you imagine like Hulk Hogan like actually respecting Awesome and having a, a like a good match with him? It would my, be like, outstanding. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, you know, we take notes for the show. We're very professional, as you all can hear. You know, my first note is about the uh, the FUNB that Hogan has on his vest, yeah. only because is that fuck you, oh, new blood? Well. A, Hogan tells the camera when he's coming down, the NB stands for new blood. You figure out what the FU stands for. Uh, You know, that had to be my first note because (laughs) that FUNB shit does not go away for a long time. And it's ridiculous. And again, he's just trying to be. If that's your first note, your second note needs to be that Hulk is freshly fresh out of a tanning bed. Well, it was going to be it was going to be backing up your earlier claim that I want a real Hulk Hogan versus Mike Awesome pay-per-view match. Too bad we never get it, but it's oh, it's such good action while it like. And the the yeah, the we're in New York, which you mentioned. The crowd is rabid for Hogan. Oh, I couldn't believe it. it. Yeah, they did. And, you know, even though it's a Hulk Hogan match, we still get reminded that at the top of the hour, something else more important is happening. So and I thought that was interesting. Madden is all over Hogan. You know, Hogan is in a control segment. He's like, oh, great. Maybe we'll get lucky and Hogan will hulk up. I never get tired of that with a little insider comment, you know, for <laughs> all the. Gig, the dude. I know. And, and, and I actually felt like it added to the story this time. Uh so yeah, I, props to Madden. I don't know if you caught that or not, but like, how does that internet shit do you in hindsight, and how did it do you in the moment? Like, did the internet shit pop you when you were younger? Of course it did. I'm a mark like I am now, but I, uh, uh, I've definitely gone back to appreciate like the non-internet bullshit where my 15 year old ass couldn't get over it. You know what I mean? Sure, sure. Yeah, and and of course yes. I I wouldn't say that the internet smarky like comments be honest to goodness like real storytelling i don't believe that for a second i think the real storytelling wins every time but these little things you know they i think some of them like hogan hate age as well like it's like okay clearly i understand where people were coming from in the year 2000 that hated hulk hogan but he's still over oh so. it's the, just listen to this crowd he's fucking over yeah you know he, i didn't he, he does stiff i mean he sandbags awesome pretty bad on that power or that power bomb through the table <laughs> like also awesome had to like dig deep to get him up yeah i have this i i, I caught that and it's interesting to me because it's like you know fucking hulk hogan just can't <laughs> he can't just let somebody win one all the way he's like all right brother i'll take the bomb of power through the table but what he doesn't tell you is that he's gonna sandbag you and make you look bad after he agrees to do it yeah, but awesome looks like he legitimately blows his back out trying to get him up he does, but 
I thought it went well, though. I, I, you know, it, it was a good break. The, you it know, the whole table kind of collapsed. Uh, God, see, this is sort of a testament. I'm like analyzing how well the table broke of how this was the best thing because, <laughs> you know, it, it wasn't a five-star New Japan Egg Dome show classic, but uh, I, I, I did enjoy it. I thought it was good rehab for Kidman because um, there was this awesome move I don't, you know, I'm all over the place here, but I think we're both excited for this one. Kidman, he doesn't do the frog splash, but they put Hogan on another table and he does just like a flying press. And awesome. It doesn't add a lot if you think about it from a science perspective, but he kind of puts his hands on Kidman as he's coming down and like gives him a push, you know, for the effort. And I just love little tandem shit like that. It reminds me of the powerplex that Power and Glory used to do. I just love these little tandem moves. I really was into that. Yeah, you know, instead of in like let's fast forward to 2002, like why not throw Kidman in a tag team with Mike Awesome instead of just like throwing them both on jacked and metal and velocity and letting them wither away to nothing? That's a fucking. It's, they were like a very cool team here with like you just said those tandem moves, cool charisma together with each other and a big a big man little man type of deal. It was I liked it. I wanted more. Yeah, and you know, it's Kidman is like your classic little guy, and he has like the hot girlfriend, you know. Just to, yeah, just he's to put it in. Right, so he's like the little boss, you know, who's got all the things, and Awesome's kind of like your muscle. That I mean, it's Triple H and Batista. I mean, it's different, but that's that's what I would envision. I'm not, look, guys, I'm not saying that they could have pulled it off like that, but it's that type of story, you know. Kidman's the mastermind, you know. Awesome's the muscle. Eventually, we fall in love with the muscle, and he revolts. Blah blah blah. Thumbs up, thumbs down. <laughs> but before they go home for the power bomb, you see Kevin Nash in a sweet Arizona Diamondbacks jersey, walk <laughs> by a monitor just entering the building, glance, he does. At, glance he at the just, TV and gives it a head nod, like, hmm, what's going yeah, on it, here? He, he just pokes, pokes his head while doing this. Uh, it, you know, he's just if 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 you're not talking about Kevin Nash, you need to be talking about Kevin Nash because uh, he's just he adorable. Isn't he? he still is. Um, <laughs> it's kind of funny. I, I have a note. Uh, when Awesome power bombs uh, Hogan to the table, Tony makes one of those like great Tony Schiavone comments. He goes, "He threw him through the table, power bomb style." <laughs> I was just like, "All right." I mean, he just power bombed him. But if you want to call it a power bomb style throw, Tony, go right ahead. <laughs> But, you know, again, I think this is really cool. And then Nash fucking comes out and clears house. <laughs> well, I, it, it goes deeper than that, though, because before he does it, I just, we just got to I got to I got to stress this because this is the instant gratification character rehab moment for Kidman. In my opinion, after they do that six splash, Kidman pops up and he, he rips the Hogan T-shirt and then he gives on purpose the shittiest, wimpiest leg drop. And gets the one, two, three. <laughs> it's uh, apropos right there. Yeah, it's and I mean, so Hogan, let's look at this. I gave it three stars, like which I know is a lot, and whatever. The whole segment when everything's said and done to me was three. But what do you think they had to fucking do to get Hogan to agree to go through a table and let Billy Kidman cover him in the same night? I mean, they did buy him a house? His slambery paycheck got a zero added to it, brother. Yeah, I mean, that's the only thing that I can imagine. Um, that's the only way that's yeah. going to work for me, brother. I don't know, dude. I thought that maybe uh, 
you could get Nick a house and I'd, I'd lay down for the one, two, three for the kid, brother. So <laughs> the, the man kid. Oh, he definitely man kid, right? Man kid. <laughs> You've got it. So Nash does come out and he does clear house. They mentioned that Nash has never been cleared to wrestle. Yeah. And I I started getting afraid that everything that you and I knew about history was wrong. Does this mean that Kevin Nash never won the WWF championship legally and it was held in abeyance? Like, if he's never been cleared to wrestle, he could not have been recognized by the New York State Athletic Commission, never pinned Backlund in the garden. I think that, that history is wrong, dude. I think I think that we have to strip Kevin Nash in perpetuity of all his rights as a former champion in the WWF is diesel. I actually saw fan fan cam video of that. It's on YouTube. I saw that last year and uh, the garden like exploded. It was pretty cool. It is. It is a cool moment, but I'll tell you this. And again, this might be a podcast for another time, but that was the, so uh, survivor series 94 happens. And then, that happens in the garden and they show it on like Sunday afternoon wrestling, you know, whatever action zone. And uh, that was the last time I watched WWF until the 96 rumble because I just, Why? I was, I was done. I didn't like the, the diesel didn't do anything for me. I couldn't believe that one of the guys who was a part of the rockers was now like the, the basically like macho man Hulk Hogan style main adventure. Like it didn't, it didn't click for me. And then when, when I came back in 96, it kind of clicked like what wrestling actually was. So how old were you in 95? And let's see, well, in 94, I would have been 11. Um, so fa- famously, I like ordered every WWF pay-per-view except uh, Anything in 95 up until the Rumble 96. Yeah, I, did, I like I, I skipped 95. I didn't see any in your houses or anything. Like famously, I say in my own life like that. I don't know how we got on this, but Diesel winning the belt from Backlund really like what turned me away from wrestling for an entire year when I was a kid. Oh. So there's my, there's my. I know. But this Kevin Nash is cool. I would have been no, in this Kevin Nash is full of charisma. He's just cool as fuck, really. And he still is, now, like I said earlier. No, for sure. It's It must be the top of the hour, though, because it appears uh, that we're going to get the epic clash for the ages. It's going to be David Arquette and Eric Bischoff. Um, I, there's all sorts of things about this match, man. The, the Eric Bischoff theme music for Peacock, it kind of sounds like a drunk version of Carry On My Wayward Son, right? <laughs> Actually, yeah, it kind of does. Yeah, it's like a drunk, like, uh, uh, which is which, which is crazy because they they block all this music so they don't get sued by people that wrote real music. It's like, well, your replacement music sounds like, you know, I don't know. It's just kind of funny. Jim Johnson and, then, and crack. He like does the Kurt Angle ring entrance too. He like comes out and he like takes a deep breath and puts his fingers in the air and pyro goes off. <laughs> I got a bump for that. I, but but uh, when this match starts, I write, here we go. And they just kept calling him Karate Man. And that, like, gave me flashbacks to 83 weeks, and I kind of enjoyed it. Oh, yeah, man. He is. He does some really sweet karate kicks. Uh, you know, obviously he's wrestling David Arquette. Um, 
it's crazy to me that this is happening on the screen. But again, I'm going to give Arquette credit, you know, as credits due for doing this. This was not as bad as you probably would be led to believe. I don't know. It Bishop stomping a mud hole um, was kind of fun. And then actually Arquette's Goldberg spear was kind of badass. In a That's way, the heart. That's the harpoon when Gordy the Law does it, okay? Oh, my That's bad, the harpoon. That's okay. He also straight up ganks the worm from Scotty Too Hotty, too. Yeah, and then drops an elbow. Yeah, but he, when he does, like, the arm movements, he doesn't bend his arms, which reminded me of Seinfeld. Like, he gives these perfect, like, non-bent arm crotch chops. Like, it's, I don't know. I mean, it's got to be seen to be believed. <laughs> I was all right. Like you said, it was all right, but um, I gave it. And I stole your gimmick, Johnny. I hope you don't get mad at me. You have no. a bunch. Of, you have a bunch of them, so it's okay. I <laughs> gave it. I gave it two rotten tomatoes for David Arquette. Ah. <laughs> I gave it one point eight three stars uh, because one point eight three million dollars was the opening day gross of Ready to Rumble. Uh, so they didn't quite make it to two. <laughs> 1.83, really? Here's the thing, man. This is April 24th. The, that movie came out like two weeks before this, and they were already like going to be in the red, which means you know it wasn't going to make back its budget. I, I don't un- – this is some like la- – I think that's something that gets kind of lost in history uh, from the business side of this is that you know everybody is revisionist. Like, oh, it made sense. We had the movie, like, you know, et cetera, et cetera, but – they didn't do anything until the it was already too late. You know, wrestling is the type of program that can respond to things in real time. And I know this is only the year 2000, but they had to have had box office receipts the next day. I just, I don't know. It seems like they should have capitalized on this before or a part of the initial reboot. And I know that's kind of way out left field, but I, I don't understand you know, why it seemed like a good idea at this point to do this. I don't so know. You, it, hold on. So let's rewind this. $1.83 million isn't a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, $1.83 million on your opening day. Not not even, you know, it, it's not awful. But what that equates to is that you're averaging around like $2 million a day for the weekend and you make six, and that's fine. And I think this, I read this had a production budget of like 20 or something like that. What? And it only... And it only made 12 uh, worldwide. And that was a big problem, too. It made like 12 in America and only made like $500,000 overseas, which is insane to think about now because, um, you know, and this is just an analysis of how the box office has changed over the in my lifetime. Overseas is the dominant force. Now, it used to be a movie would come out and make like $400 million in America and maybe like 350 overseas. Now it's completely reversed, uh, which is Fine, fascinating, and interesting, but That's this movie didn't. Pl- interesting. Yeah, this movie didn't play at all overseas, like in any sort of markets that would have moved anything. Because WCW, and I'm not saying WWF or E would have, um, because I don't have any idea that you know what their global footprint looked like back in the day. Uh, you know, clearly they want to be in the movie making business uh, because I watched the Thanksgiving Day tradition Red Notice. Ooh, me too. And um, hey, yeah, I saw that movie too, Johnny. Believe it or not. Wait a minute. You watched yep. the, the fucking egg movie? 
Of course, it was on. It was on. It was on Survivor Series and Raw. So Wednesday night, I said, "Hey, I grabbed the family. I go, let's watch a movie, boys. Let's do this." You, so we you all never, you, you've never seen Inception, but you watched Netflix's Red Notice. All Fuck right, it. Leo, Leo should have been on Raw. I would have watched it. <laughs> so, oh, it's The Rock. Of course, I'm going to watch it. In a way. Of course. And, you know, I like The Rock. I like Gal Gadot. I like Ryan Reynolds. Uh, I thought Ryan Reynolds different. was the best part of it. it that doesn't surprise me. Um, <laughs> I feel like I feel like that's I'm actually interested to see that. Um, I'm curious if Ryan Reynolds will do some stuff in the next 10 or so years that uh, flexes a little bit more of a different side. I wonder if he's got that. Um, and I'm not going to ask if he delivers anything in red notice, but I think he's a lot more talented than the roles he's being given right now. At least I hope so. Now, have you ever seen Just Friends? That is the movie where he used to be obese and he's like Anna Ferris's publicist, right? Yeah. I have not it. seen I have not seen that movie. Is it good? Whoa, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it does have Anna Ferris in it. I think she's. Go ahead. I've seen, a movie, I've seen a movie you haven't seen. How about that? Oh, how about it? I mean, that's not, you know, I haven't, I haven't seen everything. Um, actually, a lot of what I have seen in recent. This is ridiculous. No one came for this. I guess we're just there again. Um, Unfortunately, I, I used to see a lot, but now I feel like I only see the big blockbusters now. And this isn't like, a, oh, it's all I got time to watch. Woe is me shit. I'm here talking about, you know, 2000 WCW that I watched in my own leisure time. It's just, I don't know. For some reason, I just, the small scale shit just doesn't wake me up anymore. You know what woke me up, though? It's the Scott hmm. Snyder promo. No, it didn't wake you up because what woke you up was the fucking champagne party in the back with oh. Tylee Buck. Chris Cannon and fucking David Arquette. All right. Major guns with no charisma, but rolled. No, I know she's dude, not. Did, she, she, did you hear what she said? What she said? She's like, she goes, David Arquette, congratulations on beating Harry Bischoff. She called him Harry Bischoff. Yeah, I bet you she has no Harry Bischoff. I can't top that. I can see it's effortless. It's effortless for this man, though. <laughs> <laughs> That pop is pretty funny. Um, she 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 goes. She asks. She asks our kid. She goes. Oh, Where's I just, look, I just looked at her Twitter. Confirmed. Continue. Jesus Christ. She David Arquette says did DDP is getting ready for his title defense. Which I mean. Yeah, I caught that. Yeah. <laughs> you fucked that up. Canyon is pouring champagne on Arquette like he's a hundred giant. But this is like, like it took him three minutes to get the cork off. <laughs> I I'm seriously like, and this is not like this is not like a gag. Like I Canyon looks so uncomfortable here. <laughs> uh, Canyon, I I have I have a soft spot for him. Even oh, I love no for sure, and it's it's really too bad because I wish Canyon would have known how well. We love Canyon. It's it's yep. too bad. Um. And then I wrote Bischoff and JJ. Oh, I write JJ because shorthand. Let's come on, be real. But Jeff Jarrett and Bischoff fighting, and it's just like stupid. Well, Jarrett, Jarrett's yelling at Bischoff for losing to to Arquette. Jarrett says all he is is an actor, and I'm just I had to hit pause and I'm like, 
isn't that what we they all are? I mean, <laughs> I don't know. But yes, then then we got the debut of the Sirens. Uh, oh, so this is the first uh, Sirens? Yeah, because we've been getting Steinerized up until oh, this point. That's right. The yes, si- this is. Well, Steineride is fucking an amazing theme song, but the Sirens. It is. It is. Oh. And you know and you know what was so crazy about Scott Steiner? And we've said it before. I'm going to reiterate it this week. The man should be the fucking cornerstone of the promotion right now. He came out to Steinerize looking like a badass. And that's not an easy thing to do. So. He's just so made. He has muscles on muscles. His bleach hair is like little blonde goatee thing. And it's just trying to see... Have you ever hit switches on bitches? Do they call you the big booty daddy? Has that ever happened to you? It happened to me one time at Club Caligula, but then they realized that I wasn't who I thought they thought I was, and they they left. Jesus Christ. Even though he stumbles over his lines sometimes, how charismatic is this motherfucker? He's so awesome. And that's the whole thing, too, is, like, it's circled all the way back around to, like, it's so bad it's good as to, you know what? It's just kind of so good it's good. Like... Yeah, he he's I don't know that he's in on it, but I honestly think at this point you got to have the context. It's the year 2000. I don't think it's something to be in on yet. I don't think it's a gag. I think it's legitimately entertaining. Oh, absolutely. I don't know. If, yeah, yeah, I don't know. if it, I don't know if it holds up for everybody. And, you know, Steiner, take it or leave it. He when he cuts a promo, it's like he forgets to breathe. And it all kind of sounds like this one <laughs> continuous run on. But. It's you got to remember it's 2000 and it's it, it's working. It's the only thing that he's kind of like the rock in a sense that the rock organically became over by just becoming a god on the mic. Now, Steiner is a WCW 2000 god on the mic, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's a good way to put it in comparison to the rock. I mean, and that's it. I mean, you know, I mean, we've got. A multi-billion-dollar empire, a badass Shonies, and I like, I like, I like. Well, I don't know that I'd go to a breakfast bar now, and I don't want to get all like. But have you been to a breakfast bar in the last two years? Is that, or is that something you would have even gone to <laughs> before the pandemic? <laughs> I don't think. I don't know. Like, uh, I, I went to a Waffle House once, and it was kind of weird, but I, I, I rocked with it. I really like Waffle House. I would have it for fun. But I, I haven't in a long time. So I guess maybe I wouldn't have it for fun. I don't know. <laughs> but Steiner's biggest beef here is with Booker T. So. Yeah, and this is this is great because it's actually a continuation of a wrestling show. Because last week, Booker helped Jarrett retain the title against Steiner in that open contract uh, match. Uh, it, now I'm thinking of you know, Steiner with the Money in the Bank contract trying to get the referee's attention, but like not being able to breathe because he's just yelling consistently and like, I don't know. Like, ah. it wasn't personal. It was business, brother. Yeah. Uh, he does he does call Booker a jive ass. And I was like, oh. <laughs> oh and then I was he, like, oh. And then, he, and then he calls him boy a few times when he's stopping uh, the hole. Like, he, oh, this, isn't, this isn't the best. <laughs> you know? I, 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 you know, not to... Not to get all behind the scenes, but I have, I have the same exact thing that I wanted to point out written down. It, yeah, it, I don't like, you know, I don't like when he calls him boy when he's beating him up. Uh, I don't like I don't like Booker's fucking futuristic 
Booker theme song either. Because when he comes out, it's like boom, 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 boom. And I'm like, that's not Booker's theme song. No, it's that. I don't know. I can't sing. But um, have you ever told a fine young lady to hold on, Hoochie? Um, I, I, I did actually, I did one time and then, um, well, it was, uh, yeah, insert gag about how I, it was like my wedding night or something. I can't remember. I was going to say something and then you caught me. I was taking a drink. <laughs> well, I'm not going to ask you said the other thing what Booker said, he said to another girl. Well, no. And you know what? He, it's, it's hilarious because, you know, Booker. You know, he, he he's actually kind of playing a character here. He tells, you know, Steiner that it's just all business. You know, like Booker's official character stance is that, you know, I'm not a heel. I, I wasn't turning heel last week. Like he's a, a man to, him, uh, to himself within the new blood. So I kind of like that. He, they're giving him a character and he's portraying it well or decently. Yeah, it's a nice he need that to ascend up the card, probably, you know. And it's crazy. Um, I know we talked about. I, I gave you some teases for the future last week. Like the the start stop on Booker, because we we've even talked about how he eventually will become GI Bro. Like it's it's mind boggling as to you know how start and stop they are with him. I don't want to spoil any for anything because you know we'll probably talk about it when it, when the time comes. But this essentially leads to them making a match for Slambury for the U.S. title. Nice. It's that's something to look forward to. You know. Yeah, for sure. And and it makes sense too because you've got two guys who are organically over wrestling each other, so it's kind of like the I don't know, like the the match that people you know it's two characters that people care about. Um, you know, it's nice to see that that was still a thing where WCW could still inspire its base fans, I suppose. Yeah, there are two a little bit of credit. homegrown guys, you know, right, for sure for the most part, you know, especially exactly iteration of him. So we've come to a point in the show where we get to play choose your own adventure. Okay. With the so, big bad booty daddy. Oh no, that's Scott's. I mean, that's Scott's that my bad. Well, on, on one path, we have chronic versus the franchise and buff for the, the tag title matches. They've been promised. And spoiler alert, it's the first time I've ever given negative stars to a match. So the, even me, who puts up with the bullets of the shits, gave this negative stars. Or we can deliver on a promise that we made in our last episode. So I'll let you choose what you'd like to hear. All right. I'll go with the latter, but the um, the tag title matches the shits. That's all you need to know. Continue. <laughs> it's awful, and the tag titles don't change hands. So I we made a deal last week that you were going to watch Inception and I was going to watch the Buff Bagwell adult film, for lack of a better term. Uh, I didn't watch Inception, but continue. <laughs> yes, yes, you did not watch Inception. So I went on a little dream trip of my own. So only because you all requested it, I got 37 handwritten letters and one of them asked me to review the Buff Bagwell scene. So here we go. It's from the television program Gigolos. Season five, episode six. Now it originally aired on two twenty-seven fourteen on Showtime. Uh, the particular clip uh, that I viewed was about eight or nine minutes long, 
And it was actually given like a 97% Rotten Tomatoes score, like thumbs up on the website that I was on. So 97% of the people that watched this clip enjoyed it. So Buff's already getting the survey of what type of people watch this clip. Well, it's the highest ratings he's ever gotten, so I figured I would bring it. I mean, it's a wrestling program, right? So we got to talk about ratings. Okay. No, just no, real quick. Does he does he work the pyro into his entrance like he usually does? He does not. We have a decidedly less um, larger than life Buff Bagwell in this episode. I've he's heard a little that. bit. He's he's a little bit different from his wrestling persona. So you got your basic setup here is you've got Buff as one of four guys. We've got Jesus guy, bald guy, Miz guy, and we got Buff. Okay, so uh, bald guy's bald, Miz guy kind of looks like the Miz, and Jesus guy talks about Jesus later in an interview. And Buff, these guys are all gigolos. And oh. in the story that they're telling, uh, they meet up with a woman named Jill. I've decided to give her the nickname The Thrill. Okay. Uh, she's been married for 27 years. She has four daughters. She's a, seems like a very lovely person. Now, in this particular episode, she has requested the services of Buff Bagwell in the role of uh, a gigolo, much like Deuce Bigelow, who was a hero of mine growing up. And, um, you know, <laughs> this woman reveals that about seven years ago, her and her husband uh, were kicked out of their church. And that's what brought them to sort of to embrace this uh, this lifestyle where they're they're open with themselves and what have you. And 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 she wants to to find out what buff and these other three dudes can bring to the table, if you will. OK, so they decide it's eventually going to be like a Royal Rumble style match. OK, uh, they're going to draw numbers to see who goes first, who goes second, who goes third, et cetera, et cetera. Now, when it's eventually Buff's turn, he arrives on the scene not in his patented Mad Hatter buff hat or, you know, his pyro finger guns dance. He's That's in like he's in like leopard zebra colored like pastel Superman trunks. Not like, you know, they don't say Superman, but they're like the kind of thing that Superman will wear out of his uniform, you know. And uh, Jill says to him. What made you want to become a gigolo? And it's one of those things like in reality TV where it's clearly a prompt from the producer. You know, it's like the two teenage girls sit down and the one girl says, so what has life been like for you since you dropped out of school? And it's like clearly before they started filming, the producer told her to say that. So but but what gets me is Buff's haunting response. And I wrote it down verbatim. He says, this is really a lot of the same of what I do with wrestling. When I do wrestling, I basically go out and sell myself. And that's what I've done my whole life is sell myself. And then that's it. And I like fucking shed a tear for Buff Bagwell. But then this is sad, Johnny. <laughs> I, I know. I know it is. It, that's what you're getting. That's what I told you. I would give you my honest assessment of what happened. And it, it would not be, you know, nonsensical. Now, eventually. They had sex, and it was gross. They shot and I it. gave it. I mean, yes. I mean, it was on Showtime. You know, it was like a Showtime actual show. So you know, it's oh, so no vent. I mean, 
<laughs> well, I mean, I Don't didn't say speak? that. <laughs> no, no, that's the thing. It was real Rumble rules. They literally had a scene where they drew straws to see who would go first. And, you know, I'm trying to equate this back to wrestling. And I'm like, they're just drawing their Rumble numbers, brother. <laughs> but this is the only Rumble in history where you didn't want to be the last entrant. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, at one point he goes, one of the guys is like critiquing Buff, and he's like, "This is not an easy gig." I could tell that Buff is nervous. <laughs> you think this is Buff's first time? Buff's first time on camera. It's a direct quote. When, after the after, well, after Buff gets eliminated, uh, he goes out and gives the dude a high five, and he's like, "Tag, brother! It's a tag team." Um, and they do a talking head with Jill and she's like, um, you know, it was, <laughs> she goes, Buff brings a different feel. His first time went well. And then I, I didn't see who won. I, I gave up on the other two, but that is a blow for blow account of uh, a Buff segment. I gave it gentlemen's gentlemen's three. Gentlemen's three. Was there a blow for blow? Anyways, <laughs> fitting. But um, tell, uh, tell us about Tank Abbott. <laughs> Tank Abbott is coming down to the ring and Madden. Get out of that, Johnny. What do you want me to Wait, say? <laughs> hey, I told you Inception would have been a better call, but no. <laughs> um, hey, can you send me the link for that buff thing after this? After anyways. I will. I will. I will send you the buff link. Uh, Madden is yelling serenity now, serenity now, and I'm popping. It's, I'm laughing. I'm, I'm having an entertaining time with this segment. Cool. Did you write down what Tank Abbott said? What, go, he, he, with the Ghostberg line? <laughs> he, just, he says... Bill Goldberg, you're not here around. You never here anymore. He used to change the name to Bill Ghostberg. <laughs> He's so corny saying it, but it's like. Did you uh, hear Shafani? It's pretty funny. He's, he's he's rather terrible, but he's rather rather awesome in the same way. You have to go back and watch it on commentary if you have if you didn't watch the show. Shivani pops. He goes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> when he goes over the commentary, Shivani laughs in his face, literally. Oh my god, it's it's one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my life. Um, yeah, he does the thing where he's gonna beat somebody up, and uh, Tony Shivani's like, "It's time to check your undershorts because they come over to where they are." There's also a WCW.com announce table out there, literally just for this segment, right? Yes. That wasn't set up before this, correct? No, I've never seen it before, and I don't recall ever seeing it again. Uh, this, this I was actually tank. interested. I was definitely interested in who's going to get it. For sure. And and to his credit, this is a wrestling program. He does a good job in character of like building the suspense. Like it, I don't know. Like I, I only Tank Abbott could say Bill Ghostberg and still look good like 30 <laughs> seconds later doing this. Like I don't I don't know how to explain it. Tank yeah. Abbott is like if he if he doesn't fall down the way to the ring, it's a win. <laughs> You've already got what more than what you paid for. I want to see him and Goldberg. I do. Um 
Oh, for sure. For sure. He, uh, he meets a Bob Ryder, right? He has the yeah, photography guy. Ryder, I just wrote, rest in peace, Bob Ryder. That's, that's, it's funny, but it's sad that you just died, you know? And he oh, did, did he really? In the early days, so that's pretty cool, you know? No, for sure. I, I know that historically like, Bob Ryder is one of those like unsung hero type names that guys like Shivani talk about. So, yeah, good for him for getting to be part of the show. Well, uh, then we get a Borash sighting, too, which was pretty well, cool. Or as Tony Schiavone called him, Burrash. <laughs> I mean, he looks he he looks like he's in his in sync stage. Like I don't know any other way to put it. Yeah, he looks you know, boy bandish. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's 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 a neat little segment. It's you know, it's fine. It continues this Tank Abbott thing, and and I think it's really interesting that at week three for you basically like. You're already sold on wanting to see Tank fight Goldberg because I am too. I think that's something that eventually, if they can pay it off, could pop a rating or sell pay per view. Now I do know what happens. I'm not going to tell you, but I find it interesting. Yeah, don't 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 worry. I I won't. I won't. Don't tell me. No, no, I'm not going to. I'm not going to. Don't don't even give me any whispers. Move on. Move on. Move on. Nope. Hey, moving on to the like the biggest night in the history of our sport. Apparently, um. It's the fucking DDP and Jeff Jarrett heavyweight cage match, brother. It's formulatic fucking bullshit from DDP. Wouldn't you know, right in the fucking crowd, just like every DDP fucking match from this era, jumps in the crowd, walking brawl for the first five minutes of the match. and And this is a cage match of all things. Well, it is a cage match, and I'm not defending this because I, too, feel that the instant brawling in the crowd is so 2000, and I'm already over it with these two because it's how every confrontation of theirs has started. But, yeah, it's a cage match, and ugh, they're, like, in slow motion out there, too. I don't – I mean, it doesn't – it didn't earn its cage match status is what I was trying to say earlier. Like, it's it's very Russo, very much this is deadly for WCW. Like, it's Russo doing his classic I'm going to kill the company shit. Like, it, it – and he's with him, too, which I think is interesting because he's usually considered like I don't think we've seen Russo with Jared. Jared shits on out by the ring is more with Bischoff. So that was interesting, even though we know that Jared is a Russo guy. Yeah, it's like they're kind of weary of it and they keep him away. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but, uh, so I think it gets decent when they get when they actually get in the cage and have an actual. Well, they're in the cage for fucking three minutes and then they go home. But like when they actually get in the cage, the action is somewhat passable. It's just so put the, the, the fucking going in the crowd put a bad taste in my mouth instantly. And DDP, I'm sick of him. I'm, 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 just, I'm like over him. I yeah, it's like I don't know. At one point, Jarrett does get the the heat or the control, and he he does his own version of the DDP bang. I kind of get a little bit at that, but these guys. They aren't. I mean, obviously the crowd's hot for them when they're fighting in the crowd, and you're standing right next to me. But I don't even know that they're moving the needle like they want them to. And I, this isn't really the type of show. I'm not going to pull up the ratings or anything. But like, it, it doesn't feel like it's energizing the crowd. I don't know. Nah, it's. I don't know. But they were pretty hot when he won. How about? Well, uh, well, here's the thing, though. Yes, of course. You know, talk about talk about what happens. Like, there's a bunch of finisher trading or whatever. Like, uh. He hits the the diamond cutter, and Mike Awesome is there, and he like can't get the door open in time. But then he does get the door open in time, and Charles Robinson is already at. So Charles Robinson goes down one, two, and Awesome grabs his hand. <laughs> oh, this and is then, so garbage. 
And then Canyon comes from behind and like grabs Awesome and Awesome lets go of his hand. Charles Robinson gets this shit eating grin on his face, looks right at the camera and actively becomes like a part of the narrative, which is something he shouldn't be doing. And finishes with a three. It's the first time in fucking history that a referee has continued with a broken count. Yeah, it well, uh, Awesome grabs his arm and it literally holds his arm for like five, six, seven seconds until Canyon gets in there and whacks him and then his arm hits the floor and that's the three count. I was like, what? That's the finish? Yeah, it's like, it's never, I just, hey, look, I get it. You got to do a fuck finish or whatever. I don't care. Like, it's professional wrestling. But this this doesn't even go with the logic that they've been setting up for years. Decades, I would dare say. Yeah, I, I gave know. it one and three quarter stars. Like, ugh. it was okay at best, but it was just so whatever. You know, it had the only thing it really had going for it was excitement factor. And it's a world it's a world title match, so it's going to get that. And these guys are over. You know, DDP is, you know, we've been shitting on him, but he's over. Well, I mean, the end result is all the same. We've got a, a WWE title change on TV just two weeks after Jarrett was proclaimed the chosen one. I don't necessarily, I don't know. A lot of people are very sensitive about like, oh, well, the, they switched the belt six times in six days. Like that ruins the business. I, I don't even, I'm not even going to look at it from perspective of that. I just think that it makes Jarrett look like he's not the chosen one from a standpoint of if I'm a casual viewer, why did I ever care about this Jarrett guy? Cause he already lost it. Yeah, I, I enjoyed uh, I enjoyed DDP Canyon and leave in uh, Arquette leaving through the crowd. <laughs> you know, I thought that was short, pretty cool touch. Well, they're not exactly New Day level, but they're definitely an iconic trio. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, but ugh, this last, I was like, why is this Sting Vampiro match last? And we find out why. I can't even this. Oh Jesus Christ, this is this is bad. This is opposite. Again, the complete opposite of what they did with Kidman. Kidman got some serious rehab tonight, and Vampiro needs to go to rehab. But um, throughout this whole thing, Sting's whole aura is actually pretty badass, you know? Wow. I do. I so okay. So he comes. So it's Vampiro's thing in a first blood match. We should set that stage. And yes, Sting comes down from the rafters, and like he wrestles this match with like his like vest on he looks kind of cool yes i don't know if that's what you're referencing specifically yeah his whole aura is cool like the entrance is cool the uh i can't believe he's still coming from the rafters but that's cool it's just his whole presence is pretty cool and badass but then like as soon as he verbally or physically interacts with fucking vampiro forget about it you know it's just it's, like, a, it's so lame it's so blah yeah, it drains all the energy yes, from great. Perfect the excitement. You know, yeah, from the excitement that you would see from getting to see the Sting character like perform his trademark stunt. Like, yeah, that's gonna pop a crowd. I mean, sure, but they start. I don't know. It's they, I don't know if they don't have chemistry or what. It's not doing anything for me. And the story for telling is awful because Vampiro's a piece of shit when, with his delivery. This emo uh, motherfucker. Not that there's anything wrong with emo people, but no, no. But that's the thing. Again, he's not. He doesn't. He's not doing. I don't know. He doesn't even know what he's doing. But he, I gotta what, what he does do is this like voodoo bullshit, and then like ten seconds later, you get like a a bloodbath. <laughs> and it's just, well, yeah, essentially yeah. It's 
Vampiro wins the match because they dump new blood on him. Because there's a couple of real important things here, though. Vampiro goes up, and yes, he he does like he gets on the table and does like some voodoo shake, and like you know he kind of gives the Batista thumbs down, and like then the blood falls on Sting, but he starts clearing off the table, the announce table, so he can stand on it. And Hudson goes, "Good night," and I'm like, "Dude, you can't waste good night on the fucking table getting cleared off." I mean. Have some fucking standards for your catchphrase. But uh, I did enjoy when the new blood ran out to uh, give the boots to Sting, and uh, <laughs> and Buff, your boy Buff, straight out of straight out of the porno flick you went over, gets shoot hot when Sting kind of tackles him, and he gets his new blue jeans <laughs> all dirty <laughs> in blood. <laughs> he like he like legit kicks Sting in the face, and like he's disgusted that he his blue jeans that he was gonna wear to the club are all fucking wrenched. <laughs> there's so there's so much going on here, dude. I think Sting is fucking concussed because when the when the blood falls on him, like the weight of it all, like it, it like rocks him forward and backwards kind of quickly. <laughs> I mean, I don't know the, but they're also they look so wimpy out there because they can't perform, they can't be the 100 their characters and perform safely in the ring when it's covered in this liquid shit. Ugh. So like Chris Candido looks like he's ice skating, but <laughs> he's like. <laughs> but uh, I I will you know I will give him this when they hook Sting up to his harness that he comes down on, and Sting's like dripping in blood, and then he's like his hair's all to the side and matted with all the fake quote unquote blood. I don't know, it kind of looks cool. I say, I well, it kind of looks cool. They have to call it the they have to call it red liquid because they're not standards and practices won't let them say blood. That's kind of like a uh, famous thing. Oh, that's, um, that's right. Good call. But then I, I the best part I was said the best part of this is is Sonny waving by to Sting as they go off the air. As Madden yells, he's a pinata from hell. Oh yes, I wrote, <laughs> I wrote that down. Good call. Good call. But uh, I, I wrote this show was. I guess better than last week, you know? It, it, I don't know. This was a weird episode because it didn't sit with me as much as some of the other ones have. Like some of these episodes stay with me for a couple days and, you know, I, I remember things that I enjoyed. This one was a good show, but I, I didn't take as much from it. It didn't entertain me as much. Except for that mixed tag match, which was so bad, it was amazing. Oh, so bad. I liked, I liked, and I, and I liked the Hogan mixed or the Hogan handicap match. That's true too, but I, I don't know. I felt like in the end, it's like I don't want to give them, like I don't want to praise them for putting Kidman over so hard because they should have been doing that from the get go. But the time that we spent with them was a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, they, uh, that side of the show, Hogan and Kidman, was a lot better this week than last. Right. Absolutely. And, and you know, the you had major storylines moving and shaking. Uh, we've got a new champion, for God's sakes. But it's I think it's telling that, you know, this is a this is a wrestling podcast. And, we're, you know, we're talking about the death of WCW, basically. And, you know, a world title change is just. I mean, yes, we talked about it, but it's so it feels like the fifth most important thing that happened on this show. And I'm not saying anything was important, but the, and I'm not trying to put words in your mouth, but do you feel that way? <laughs> Actually, yeah. Yeah. Like and especially how they hot potato it 
a little bit before and mostly how it's gonna, you know, you feel that it's not as significant as it should be or has been in the past, especially when it's the second segment of the night or second to last segment of the night. And it's definitely rushed in. Like it's a total of six minutes with the entrances. It's just, you know, it's, it's it's like one segment, second to last segment. And it's just, you know? Yeah. And, you know, I, I do want to reiterate to people that, like, we have you know, we have a lot of fun, like, when the cat comes out, because we know that we're going to have a lot of fun talking about it. But I, I want to make it clear that the reason that that's able to happen is because that is legitimately, like, the best stuff that there is happening in front of the camera or, you know, on the program as well, in my opinion. Like, that stuff is, you know, and, and this title match storyline slash title change is legitimately, like, the fifth most fun thing to me and it feels that it's being presented that way yeah it's it's fun it's all right um do we get arquette next on thunder so yeah i guess we could talk a little bit about you know what happens next time because it's i mean everybody knows what happens next time and we'll talk about it in much more greater detail but yes the if i'm not mistaken the moment you've been waiting for or I don't know. It's the moment you're waiting for. And I don't even like to build it up like that because it is what it is. It's fucking when, you know, David Arquette becomes a gosh darn WCW champion. So we all know. Oh, come on. We all knew that we were getting there. What's what's interesting is. And I want to be fair to it. We need to. I don't know. I, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Have you ever seen it before? Except for like clips on documentaries. I've, def- I've definitely seen clips. Sure. I, I, I don't know if I've seen it all. I might have. So did you know, and I'm not, I, this is a teaser. Did you know, like from your knowledge? Yeah, because everybody knows Arquette's a champ, but did you remember that he actually wins it from DDP? Yeah, but he doesn't pin him, right? It's the cage thing. Well, yeah, well. No, it's it's and it makes but I, I feel like that's one of the things that kind of gets lost to history in a way is that it's like. He doesn't even, you know, he takes it from DDP, so we'll get there. It, it will. We'll go into great detail about it. I don't want to uh, I don't want to ruin my shtick for the next show. <laughs> but speaking of the next show, will we see them in two weeks, Johnny? Yeah, I think so. I think we're going to. Did you have the, like a final grade for this bad boy or are you just so burned out? That you can't even come to a numerical conclusion. I'll go three point nine. I'm getting up there. <laughs> I you either went three eight or three nine on the last one. So I'm getting up there. Um, it's it's you, starting to grow on me. I was gonna say you're you're getting there, and you know uh, I hope that everyone's enjoying the journey, getting there with you, and we can maybe get some more converts over. Uh, you know, to our side, seeing our viewpoint here that you know WCW must die. But we can sure have a good time watching it do so. Very good. So we got we got a, before the next pay-per-view, we got a Thunder, a Nitro, a Thunder, then the pay-per-view. Yeah, I think that's where it's going to stand. So there is a lot of, of storytelling between now and then that they're going to have to get through. I think it's um, so, yeah, that's three total shows. And obviously we've kind of teased already like the big stuff that's going to be happening next time. And then a pay-per-view where they're in quotation marks blowing off 
their or you know at least launching the first round of their their big you know icon versus icon for like you know where Hogan's fighting Kidman everybody's got their enemy that they're paired up with from the New Blood Mainers Club plot lines and yeah I mean we're gonna see what happens um it's, it's a doozy it's a hell of a trip all right cool well uh Johnny I guess I'll talk to you in two weeks buddy Hey, Ryan, I will send you that link here in just a minute, and it's yours, <laughs> buddy. All that's right. That's question you get off. I got business to take care of. Oh, I hope not, because it's, <laughs> it's, there's so much better. All right, I am, I'm done at that point. You guys take it easy. We'll see you next time. See you guys.